Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Stephen Pfeiffer, and this is another episode of Guilty Pleasure Movies. Hey gang, on this week's episode, we're kicking off Van Damme Entertaining Month, and no better way to do so than by talking my all-time favorite movie. It's a martial arts cult classic, 1988's Bloodsport. We'll dive into the one-hit wonders of the soundtrack, the fight scenes of the not-so-secret Kumite, how this film launched the career of Van Damme, why I love this film, and what makes it a guilty pleasure movie. But first, let's jam. Some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Hey guys, just as the intro said, we're talking my all-time favorite movie, Bloodsport. I'm going to go ahead and pre-warn you, there might be some shorter segments here, there might be some of the goofy little sound effects that I use just to give me a little breather, get used to doing podcasting in general, until I get something that's a little bit easier to edit this all together. Um, Big thank you to you all, once again. Before you enjoy the film, do as I did, Um, pour yourself a couple tall glasses of water, Uh, go ahead and get yourself a big bag of cookies. That definitely makes the film a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, Got to go ahead and start with some of the credits. The director, of course, Newt Arnold. This guy's done a lot of work. Really the only recognizable directorial work he's done, though, is through Bloodsport. Um, of course, like I said, a great film. Um, he's done a lot of work uh, as far as an assistant director. One of his big ones was uh, The Godfather Part Two. Won some awards for that, actually. Um, next is Sheldon Lettich. He was a writer for the film, kind of part of the Van Damme posse. He worked on a lot of his films over the years. Uh, Double Impact, Lineheart, probably being the, the two biggest ones. He was a writer and, and actually director for both those films. And he's really neat because he's actually very interactive with fans of Van Damme. <laughs> the website he used to be on was vandamfan.net. It's a forum. A lot of fans were engaged in that, just doing things, and he saw that and decided to ask you know, or answer questions that fans would ask and just post lots of cool things behind the scenes and it's it doesn't have a I don't think any more active stuff going but you can still go back potentially and see some of the archive stuff on there which is really neat um, next we're definitely going to talk about you know Van Damme this he had a couple films prior um, you know no retreat no surrender you know was a bad guy then uh, this of course was a big one though for him he got the role you know the starring lead and you know it led to many other roles down the road for him uh, which has, you know, been a breakthrough star because of this film. Um, and, you know, this film actually inspired a lot of things, you know, as far as uh, the UFC, of course, you know, no holds barred, no rules tournament. Uh, not quite the same, you know, a lot of ground and pound was really what, you know, real life fights are actually about. But, you know, it definitely inspired it. And, of course, some other things such as Mortal Kombat, the video game, uh, the character of Johnny Cage, and the J- JC, you know, there. I uh, was actually inspired by the film, you know, he had a similar outfit, you know, the red belt, of course, but um, and the you know the the splits, 
And then, you know, this movie did have some sequels. Uh, a couple afterwards, starred a guy named Daniel Barnhart, or Bernhardt that is, but um, really great actor. And you know, this actually had a, a slightly, I guess you could call it a remake, uh, Lady Blood Fight. It came out recently, uh, had you know, the Kumite in there, some little you know tidbits you know, uh, that kind of nods to the original film. But really neat. Um, also stars you know Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, which I thought was pretty cool. He's done some TV shows, but this is really what he's known for. And then also Ogre. Um, and then this film is based on a, if you want to call it a true story, Frank Dukes. Uh, he's a martial artist, that is true, but some of the things that he tries to recognize that he's done, a lot of people have said it's, it's hokey, you know, he's, there's just really nothing to, you know, recognize as making that a fact, more than just what he's going off of his word, but, you know, he still promises to it, he sticks to it, doesn't seem like his story changes, so, yeah, the film certainly made it seem like it was accurate, there's a lot of credits at the end that he holds records for, which are pretty amazing, I have to say. We'll definitely dive into that. Um, also, uh, one of the cool things was P Paul Herzog did a lot of work on the soundtrack, which is uh, also so great. We'll talk a little bit about the specifics of that throughout and just the tone and just how it you know creates that vibe you need for the film. He did some work on Kickboxer as well, which you know I think has a lot of great, got a lot of great music that is. Um, this movie, uh, being my favorite, you know, as a child, I remember seeing it at probably four or five years old, not even quite into school yet, and I had seen Kickboxer before, and that one, up to, my point, up to that point, had been my favorite movie, but then all of a sudden saw this, and I think it was because there were so many fight scenes, and it was just so quick and just so fast-paced, and for a kid, it was just like, holy shit, what is going on? This is amazing. And Van Damme at the time was just so awesome. This was probably the early 90s when I saw it, so it had been out for a few years. And it was just like, oh man, this guy is pretty fucking awesome. And uh, I got first time I saw it was on a recorded VHS tape. And the sad thing about it was I had watched it so much that eventually really some of my favorite parts had worn out. And But I would just use that, and occasionally you'd see it on a TBS or something on TV, and you'd catch it, but it's edited commercials, I'd try to record it, you know, stop it at the commercial, you know, record it as soon as it comes on, don't leave the, don't leave the room, you'll miss something. And then, you know, as a, I think I hit maybe 9, 10, I had one of my best friends at the time, knew that I loved this film, and actually gave me a copy of the actual VHS tape, and the packaging, I, I loved it, I didn't even know if I wanted to open, but I was like, oh, hell yeah, I do, Let, let's watch this. I think he had maybe heard of it. Don't think he'd ever actually seen it, but we we watched it together, and he was he was amazed. You know, I don't think he became quite the fan that I did, but he definitely appreciated it for what it was worth. And another little tidbit, personal fact of my own, was this was the first Blu-ray I'd bought years back. It was a little double feature with Time Cop, another great film that he did, one of my favorites. That's a to be continued for this podcast, and. Yeah, that's pretty much everything I want to lead up into. We're going to go ahead and dive into the film. We're going to talk about everything from beginning to end, the specifics, the high, the lows. Let's go ahead and do this, guys. Kumite, kumite. Hey, guys, before we get started, I want to apologize. I forgot to mention that with this show, I'm going to speak my mind, be brutally honest, so it's going to be explicit at times. I'm going to do most of it in one take, so there will be a few ums, uhs, and some stutters in there, but I'll evolve, and you'll get used to it. And with that said, we're talking Bloodsport, and we dive right into the film with the opening shots of Hong Kong. You get some beautiful landscape, aerial views, you know, some nice tall skyscrapers in the background out there, floating along. 
and then all of a sudden we go to the shitty part of town. Real dark and gloomy, just jam-packed with motherfuckers, and you got bums on the street. You got fucking looks like drug dealers on the corner, possibly. Definitely a few triple X titty bar signs in the background, but hey, no worries. Because that's where you gotta go if you want to go see the Kumite, right? And we see the construction, the setup of it all. Nice, beautiful venue, I might add. And, you know, you got lots of people rushing, scampering to get, out, to get it all set up. But when it's all said and done, you know, you got the guy brushing off the dust. It looks fancy. It's ready to go. You even see, you know, prior to all that, the two bouncers that are going to be in charge, keeping all the shitheads out. These guys look like tough motherfuckers or feathered hair, some blue denim vest. Amazing. And then we lead into who's going to potentially be in the tournament, the Kumite. The fighters, their training methods. You got dudes smashing ice, boards, fucking coconuts. You got guys in the jungle with fire torches. And of course, you've got to have the guys fighting at a dojo. I mean, this is overall some equal opportunity employer type thing we've got going on. I mean, all walks of life are going to be invited. So the best of the best for sure. Then we cut to Jackson. Huffing and puffing as he's punching away. Little trivia for you guys. That's the producer he's talking to of the film, actually. Mark DeSalle. Nice chest hair exposure. Of course, he looks like a real-life boxer. Like, he should definitely be at the gym training. That, or maybe he's the, the vendor all of a sudden. He's just deciding, you know, let his, let his hair down or something and mingle. But after that, we get our hero of the film, Jean-Claude Van Damme, playing Frank Dukes. He's kicking a speed bag. I don't think I've ever seen that in anything else, any type of training, any actual anything, what the hell, I mean, but it's amazing, he's probably six feet away from that motherfucker, just connecting on every shot, so smooth, and all of a sudden he's interrupted with his, this guy comes up saying, hey, you know, you're wanted by the sergeant, you know, Van Dan knows something's up, so he says, hey, before I go on there, I'm a hot mess, let me get cleaned up, take a quick shower, the guy that came to get him was like, you know, what the fuck is taking so long, dude? You know, 30 minutes, you know, what's he jerking off? What the fuck, man? Goes in there, notices Van Damme is, is bolted. He's gone, nowhere to be seen. And outside, all of a sudden, I'm sure there's, you know, the guys out there, the hiking, the marching, they're, they're probably they wondering, what the hell's that guy over there doing in a fucking hand towel around his waist, fucking bolting out of this motherfucker? But you know, this guy runs back to his boss. He gets his ass ripped, just a new one. He's told, don't you dare come back here unless you're with fucking Van Damme. And I I honestly, I wondered throughout this film, what happened to that guy? Did he, did he lose his job? I mean, what exactly happened to him? But good old Van Damme, he had to sneak off out of there to go see his sensei. So we cut to Van Damme going to the house of his old sensei, Senzo Tanaka. He knocks on the door, Mrs. Tanaka answers... They greet each other, exchange some nice cheesy smiles. It's been way too long since they've last seen each other, apparently. They go inside. She says, wait in the living room. I'll wake him up for you. And while he's waiting, Van Damme spots a sword in the background. And apparently some memories come back to him from his childhood. He starts to reminisce. We cut to the world's longest flashback. I clocked it, guys. It was 11 minutes, but it was necessary. It added to the plot. It all begins with a young Frank Dukes busting into the house of the Tanakas. He's got a couple of shitty friends with him. As they're rumbling through stuff, the owners hear them. The kids fucking bolt. Young Frank Dukes is by himself to clean up the mess. As he's cleaning this up, the, the, the son of the owners 
of the house. He comes up, just kicks the shit out of young Frank Dukes, knocks him down. Mr. Tanaka says, hey, calm down, I got this. He happens to spot that young Frank Dukes has the Giants hat and a shirt on. One represents a pro football team, one represents a pro baseball team. Apparently, Mr. Tanaka works for the fashion police because he slices that hat in half and says, we're going to Lids, motherfucker. We're going to get you some shit that matches. And anyways, he decides to have a tea party with young Frank Dukes' parents, lets him know, hey, I train kids, I correct their behaviors through all kinds of weird methods, and this is what I want to do to get your son on track. They say, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? He's off doing dumb shit. He's doing some B&Es. We need something to straighten his ass out. And they agree to it, and so young Frank Dukes and young son Tanaka are basically sparring partners, but Van Dam is the punching bag. He's getting thrown around, getting smacked around. Eventually he gets sick of it, says, you know, I can't do this anymore. And Mr. Tanaka reminds him, hey, there's a purpose for this, I promise you. Uh, And eventually there is, because young son Tanaka is getting bullied at school, and Young Frank Dukes runs in and fucking spinning back fist. And, you know, this is like a five-on-one at this point. He's taking all these dudes down. And by the time, you know, he goes and gets young son Tanaka and they're walking away, you know, he's got an arm around his shoulder. And you see the fucking bullies fucking bleeding and just, oh, god damn. He just, they were just beat to shit. Sadly, a couple years later, we see young son Tanaka has passed. And young Frank Dukes is now an adult. And he says, hey, this is my opportunity it's somewhat of a blessing in disguise because now you can train me. And I guess that Mr. Tanaka had just had enough. He's like, no, my son's gone. I'm in a bad place. You know, I've been doing this for years. It's time for me just to settle down. I'm going to Florida. I'm retiring. Van Dam is like, what the hell? This is not cool, you know. We need to we need to keep this going. You know, I'm practically your son. That pisses off Mr. Tanaka. You're not my son, mother. Look at you. You don't even look like me. There's no way. You broke into my house. You're lucky I did this for you. And anyways, I guess Van Dam convinces him that, you know, this is the right thing for him to do. This will actually help Mr. Tanaka get through all this. And they decide, hey, why not? Let's go ahead and do it. And we see Van Dam. Even I guess after all these years, he never really had a chance to move up because he's wearing a white belt as the training begins. I thought that was kind of interesting that he didn't even at least have maybe a yellow somewhere in there. I don't know, something. And we see some of the training methods he's taught are, you know, meditation through rubbing hands, catching goldfish out of the pond, and even some blindfold training. And But this is, you know, Van Damme's still the punching bag. He's just getting his ass worked. He's getting thrown around, but this time by a big adult motherfucker. And he just can't take it, you know. But once again, this all has a purpose. We, As we see the whole, you know, Sensei Tanaka's like, all right, finally, I'll I'll go ahead and let you get your shit in here now. But you got to throw a blindfold on and fucking come at me. And we're like, what is going on here? This just doesn't make any sense, but... Eventually, we see some other interesting training methods, such as the limbs being stretched. This is the scene that really sticks out with me the most, probably throughout the movie, because it was fucking brutal. I mean, it seemed pretty real, but I mean, Van Damme can do the splits. This is just one of the many examples throughout the movie of, of how he can do this. But as he's having his limbs stretched to the max, he starts to remember everything he's been taught with with all the weird training methods I've talked about, the meditation of all that bullshit and it all clicks. And next thing you know, he's starting to just rise up while he's having his limb stretched and fucking just breaks this torture device. Some fucking kind of shit out of one of the saw movies, I'm sure. But 
And then he just kind of gives this look up to the sensei Tanaka like, hey, you know, does this mean I finally get my purple belt? And yeah, it does. And so they end up sharing a little moment at the end where he kind of passes off that sword. So it's kind of the circle of life, if you will. And so that is the end of the flashback, finally, 11 minutes later. And by that point, I'm sure Mrs. Tanaka has been standing off in the background calling Van Damme's name multiple times, just confused and like, what? What is going on? I'm worried about this kid. Is he on drugs? Anyways, they finally get him to go into Mr. Tanaka's room uh, to give him the big news that, hey, I'm going to the Kumite. I'm taking all this knowledge you've passed on to me, and I'm going to go break some fucking necks, whoop some ass, and take some names doing it, and I'm going to win my own sword make you proud. And Mr. Tanaka basically gives him his blessing, and he's super excited for all that. Uh, next thing you know, we cut to a bus that heads off to where the fighters are going. The Kumite Inn and Suites, as I like to call it, because this place was rather nice when they get there. Before they get there, though, we see a little brief encounter on the bus of Van Damme getting to see Jackson, the character Jackson, for the first time. That's Ogre, for you guys that don't know, anyways. And he's quite a classy guy, quite a flirt on the bus. He's hitting on some ladies, and he's getting rejected, though, unfortunately. And he's even like, you know what, am I too handsome for you, hun, honey? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it is. It can't be the, the fucking stank breath, the goddamn chest hair, the sweat dripping out of your armpits, and that nasty beard you haven't shaved in probably six months. No, but it's, it's yeah, you're just too goddamn handsome for me. Anyways, they finally arrive at the Kumite Inn and Suites, and like I said, it's it's pretty classy, folks. It's got a full-service bar, and at that bar, you've got who ends up being a reporter, but she's a pretty lady that basically comes off like she's offering herself to any motherfucker out there who's willing. Guys are rejecting her, but we find out she's wanting, ultimately, the inside scoop on the Kumite, and we see some guys that are, you know, from the beginning of the movie, they're training for something big, but they're not telling her what it is. No, they're, what is the Kumite, huh? We're just in town for, you know, some event. There's just a Comic-Con. We don't, what the fuck are you talking about? And then next thing, we go off into the lounge area where you go to check in. I guess Van Damme and Jackson were a little early there because uh, they're waiting around, and Van Damme spots Jackson playing a video game. Badass, and reminded me of the good old days because it was one of the old arcade cabinets. And he says, hey, you want to play? And Van Damme agrees, and next thing you know, he's won two in a row, and he's the fucking, he's the goddamn video game wizard. I mean, he's the replacement to that kid in the wizard movie. Fuck you, Fred Savage. That And The Wizard, by the way, another to-be-continued, a great film. Anyways, these guys bond over a little Kumite connection. They discover they're both going to the same place. What are the odds? It's the same fucking time they've shown up somewhere. They're both fucking white dudes doing fucking karate shit. So, And next thing you know, we leave the Kumite Inn and Suites to go back to the Tanaka's house where we got a couple of cops that are looking for Frank Dukes. These guys are about two scenes behind because they just missed him. And nice little thing I noticed was we got a young Forrest Whitaker in the movie. And he's, you know, definitely a presence throughout because he's a big, recognizable, award-winning actor nowadays. But one thing I thought was pretty interesting is every time he tries to have a line in the film, he's cut off by the older cop. And so he really doesn't get a word in throughout, and so this is just kind of maybe a good way to see who young Forrest Whitaker is before he became the breakout star that he is today. And Mrs. Tanaka, anyways, you know, she's being questioned, the, the third degree, hey, where is Frank Dukes, goddammit? We know that he was here. We know it. And she's pretending like she has no idea. She's clueless. She probably is kind of clueless, has no idea what her husband really does with these kids. 
Uh, anyways, the, the, the cops leave. Uh, we cut back uh, to the, some more scenes at the Kumite Inn and Suites. We've got Jackson and Dukes finally getting to check in. You know, they probably popped in $18 and quarters in that video game machine by then. And we get, uh, nice thing is, uh, there's a uh, nice service offered to that hotel where they've got, they provide a personal tour guide. Theirs happens to be a young lad by the name of Mr. Lin. He's sporting a fucking awesome little goatee. He is a little fucking, you know, just a hot shot, apparently. He knows all the, the fun places to go, all the hot spots in town, the nightclubs. And as he tells these guys as they're walking, giving the tour throughout town, he's even going to show you the places to avoid at night, the alleys to not go into, when, as he puts it, well, where not to go or where to protect your nuts. And they, he escorts them to the Kumite, and if they have to, as, uh, as they arrive there, of course, remember there's uh, a lot of shitty buildup to get to the nice fucking venue, the arena, and before they get there, they have to knock on the door, there's a couple of dudes waiting, and we get probably one of the more uh, popular GIFs, GIFs, whatever it's called, the OK USA guy, and this guy's fucking awesome, he says, yeah, you guys look like fighters, come on in. He leads him back in through the crack house. Thought it was kind of funny. I was like, you know, there's no front door to this fucking place. Because as we end up seeing, the audience has got some money. They've got their nice gear on, their nice fucking dresses, the dudes in suits, all kinds of money getting thrown around left and right, jewelry just dangling everywhere. Where the fuck are they entering? There's no way they're going to the same exact alley to get to this place and going in masses and waves because this is nasty, The place, what they have to go through. Even the faces... On Van Damme and Jackson, I'm just, they're scared shitless. They're having to kind of hold each other as they're walking because they don't know what the fuck's going on. And they end up getting there. They arrive at the Kumite. They take a nice fresh breath of air because they realize, finally, we've made it. Fucking no more rats to step over. No more fucking people begging for a few bucks as we're walking to the arena. That got kind of old. And they arrive and... They have to pass initiation first. So the guys have arrived at the Kumite, and as they're preparing their invitations, they notice uh, there is a couple scouts at the arena that are taking notes, watching the fighters, seeing who the big underdog might be that can win them a few bucks, and they're writing notes. Oh, he looks good. Go with him. And as they get out their invitations to present to the guys at the front, the registration, whatever, they... The guys are like, what the hell is this? Is this a forgery? You're definitely not a Tanaka. And he explains who that Tanaka is, his relationship. He trained him, this and that. They don't believe him. They say, you know what? If you're such a hardcore motherfucker like you say you are, you're going to have to pass this initiation process. It's called the Demac. And that means death touch. And basically what that is, they have a, just a fuck ton of bricks that they put in front of you. And Van Dam slowly rises his hand. And in slow motion, just fucking slams down the top brick and turns that fucking bottom brick on the pile into goddamn dust. And it's fucking gone. And everybody's clapping. And they're mightily impressed, for sure. And then next thing you know, we see Big Bad Bolo in the background. Plays Chong Lee in the film. He's not so impressed, so He has his Korean Arnold catchphrase of, Brick not his back. And I think that's awesome, because, yeah, you hear some variation of that kind of shit in every film he's ever been in, which is cool. And But, like I said, he's not impressed. He's a big-ass motherfucker. He has been there, done that, not his first rodeo. And Van Damme's like, all right, I got a challenger. That's cool. And next thing you know, we're back at the Kumite Inn and Suites. 
that lady reporter I was telling you about, the, the fucking hoochie mama that was just trying to get any guy to fucking give her some news, however she had to get it. She is nearly date-raped, sadly to say, though, because we got this dude, this Arabian guy, and he is in mid-slap when Van Damme stops him, just fucking grabs that wrist and says, I don't think so, mister. There's not going to be any wife-beating here in my presence. He says, get the fuck out of here. I, I saw her first. And they wage a little bet, and the lady is the prize. And she's not so happy about it, but what's she going to do? You know, she's stuck in the middle. Monkey in the middle deal right here. Van Damme wins via magic, a little coin trick they end up doing. Next thing you know, he's, look behind your ear. Look what I got here. A big old fucking magic quarter for you. And they get the hell out of here. She's mine. He just realizes I got a bolt. And so Van Damme takes the lady out. They go on a nice little stroll along the, the port. This shit looks polluted. There is this gas and fucking... It's, it's gray. It's nasty. I don't know if that's how he got her to say yes, because he asked her out on an official date. And I don't know if she was just woozy and delirious or just out of it by that point and just didn't know what the fuck was going on, but she agreed. Anyways, but yeah, they go on another date eventually, as we'll see, but the next day, we... It is the morning of the Kumite. We cut to Van Damme in his room. It, the rooms aren't as big as I expected from what I saw in the lobby, but it doesn't matter. You're there to sleep and shit, you know what I mean? And it's Van Damme, of course, doing a splits probably for the 16th time at least in this film, and we've only been going for about 20 minutes. And he's doing the splits, but he's got... He's elevated up on two chairs. And all I could keep thinking of during this scene was, cue Johnny Knoxville, man. He's going to come in and just kick him in the fucking balls. And this is like the perfect chance to do it. I mean, if you want to do that to somebody, this is the time to do it. And <laughs> we see uh, uh, Jackson Bolt in the room just jumping on the bed like a motherfucker. And, hey, you know, Kumite Express, you know, leaves in five minutes. Van Damme's ignoring him. He's pretty good at that. He stays in his little zone meditating and Jackson's like, hey, motherfucker, I'm not kidding. You know, what you're doing's pretty cool, but we gotta go. And so Van Damme's finally like, oh, I got this. I can get ready. And impressively enough, he does get ready in that five-minute span. He changes. I don't know if he took a shower or whatever, but, he, man, he was ready. He was ready to do this. They arrive at the Kumite Arena. Of course, he got Lynn there to escort him. He's got to show him all the fucking good places to eat, have a bite from fucking, you know, somewhere awesome beforehand. And they're arriving, they're walking to their seats, they got some festivities at the Kumite to kick off the event, some fire, some drums, possibly a little juggling going on in the background, and the next thing you know, you got gong, that means the show begins, and we hear a little um, introduction to kick things off, and this was probably the most interesting thing as I was watching this, probably for you know, the 501st time. I got a little plot point that I've never caught watching this movie that all those years, and that is this. I knew that the the Kumite this they talk about how it all started as they're you know talking to the audience and you know you know welcoming the fighters to the event. They say you know, so hundreds of years ago, this all kicked off. Every five years, you know the Black Dragon Society they started it all. They have this event that they do to see who the toughest SOB is. But one thing I never noticed throughout this whole speech was that they said they have a co-sponsor of the Kumite. A fucking co-sponsor. I was like, what? Isn't this a secret event? I mean, what is going on? What, what do you have, some P.F. Changs and Powerade fucking banners hanging up in the background? Are you passing out flyers? God damn, I can only imagine if social media was around, but this is a secret? But you got sponsors? I had, seriously, I had to write that down. I was like, I've never caught that line. I just thought that was insane. But anyways, as he's giving the speech, 
You know, you're seeing the audience members, they're bloodthirsty, they're ready to go. We see the faces of all the fighters are going to be in the event. We see the ref who's going to play an important point. But we see the janitor, <laughs> the fucking janitor, <laughs> this little ass measly motherfucker just like hanging his chin on his broom, like no big deal. But the janitor, I thought it was awesome though. He, a good way to kick everything off. And like I said, I learned something new that I'd never seen and I thought it was great. And, and we're ready to go for the fights, guys. Hey gang, real quick, want to give a big thank you to the creator of our opening and closing theme songs, musical genius Dan Pfeiffer. If you enjoy those tracks, you can listen to them along with many more of his at the app Reverb Nation. Search his channel name, Dan Pfeiffer. That's spelled P-F-E-I-F-E-R. Dan the man, thanks again. So we're kicking off the Kumite officially with the first fight. Little fun fact, the actor that plays Parodies, the character's name, is Michelle Kissy. That's the actor's name. He also plays Tong Po in another Van Damme flick, Kickboxer. That is a big to-be-continued. That one I'm hoping comes up in the near future for you guys. Anyways, uh, Tong Po wins. Uh, he's pretty much just using a kind of like a street fight style almost, just kind of throwing random punches and all kinds of shit, but he knocks a dude clean off the the platform. You see everybody gets super pissed at bed on him. They're throwing their tickets down. They know they're losers. And that's the first official winner of the Kumite. We move on to the second fight. Big Jackson's out there. He gets a lucky draw, and he gets, goes in there pretty cocky. The guy he's going up against is a little scrawny motherfucker, and He's bouncing around on his little toes, and he's next thing you know, he's fucking slapping around Jackson, kind of catching everybody off guard there. But fucking next thing you know, Jackson turns into the Hulk and just one hitter quitters this fucking dude, and lays him out, and just tells him, "Come on, get up." He's fucking trash talking him. The dude's ice cold out, just done. And fucking Jackson comes to, he's all excited, gives the big double thumbs up. Joe's takes his seat, still bragging. Then we move on to some dark music. It was We got Chong Lee coming up there. He walks real robotic-like up to the fucking platform. Kind of just fucking blows a snot rocket that the guy he's going up against. Built well, you just don't know. This guy looks like he might have some skills, but he's going up there. He's fucking throwing some kick punches and just nothing. He's going up against a brick, a brick fucking wall, practically. And this brick wall does fucking hit back. He actually chokes out this dude, gets a big fucking reaction from the crowd, and then swat fucking smacks him on the head and neck snaps this dude. And then he throws him out of the crowd and we got a fucking souvenir for somebody. They're taking home this guy. And I have to wonder, I mean, like I said earlier, this this is a sponsored event, supposedly, so this dude's killing motherfuckers. What is happening? Are there any kind of repercussions? Because we heard earlier in the last commentate, he was the previous winner. He's the defending champ, by the way, Chong Lee. And he killed a guy back then, too. And if he went to jail, it was maybe he bonded out or whatever. I don't know. But just oddly enough, he's getting away with all this shit. I guess it's just because it's a fighting event. He can do this. But no holds barred, I guess. And finally, we get the premiere of Frank Dukes in the event. And he's going up against the Date Raper. And this is a fun fight because it's fucking just short and sweet. And he elbows a dude, knocks out his tooth, find out it's a fucking world record. 
And speaking of that tooth, the amazing janitor, by the way, happens to, of course, he's got to clean up the little mess. He sponges up the blood, but he takes the gold tooth, makes sure it fits his. I don't know how, he didn't look like he's missing a tooth, so I don't know what his plan is there, but maybe fucking pawn it off for a few bucks, I guess. And then we, after that, the Van Damme fight, we move on to the, one of the best montages in any movie, the fight to survive. Fight to survive! We literally get about 26 KOs in 44 seconds. It's just, you get all the guys that are advancing. I don't know how many fighters there necessarily are, but the, I mean, this is just, you're getting all the fucking goofballs out of the way, as you can tell. And a couple of the underdogs are moving on, and... It's, it looks like it was a fun first day at the Kumite, and to cap that all off, we eventually cut into the cops, the guys that are on the prowl for Van Damme. They obviously haven't discovered the Kumite just yet, because they're just too busy grubbing. They're actually eating some eel and lo mein, it looks like, for lunch. It doesn't look too bad, actually. i, I got to be honest. I, it sounds gross, but it looks fucking decent. But apparently it's nasty because neither one of them are really eating much as it, uh, much of it as you can tell. They flick a piece of the dog as they got to leave, and he just sniffs and is like, "I don't fucking think so." But they at their lunch, you know, we get the detective guy that's been helping them out with a local scoop. He does bring them some intel. Says, "Hey, I know where Van Dam is staying at, dude. There's a little Akumite Inn in Swedes. I'm surprised you haven't seen it in our fucking little brochure around town." But they decide to go ahead and meet up at the spot at the Kumite Inn. Sweets. They go to the lounge. Of course, it's fancy. You know, you got a little pie, little singer, live show going on. I looked at the table and I could see Dukes was three beers in and sipping on a gin and tonic. I was amazed by that. I think fucking Jackson. I don't. He's probably boozing, of course, too. But I didn't really see much on his end. <clears throat> Anyways, these cops are like, Dukes, we found you, man. It's over. It's done with. Dukes is like, man, I just fucking handed some, some fucking, laid out some dude today, alright? I got two more days of this shit, I gotta get this fucking sword, get it over and done with, and I'll be home, I promise. And he seems sincere about it, too, and these cops are like, not good enough, you know, two days, that's just two days too long for us. And Jackson kind of gives a little wink to Van Damme, and next thing you know, he fucking tackles these cops, Dukes flees... And we go on another little fun montage, a little cheesy song to a chase across Hong, Hong Kong. He's fucking hiding behind buses, ducking down between fucking cars. His cops are fucking two on one. They still can't keep up. They're just so out of shape. I couldn't imagine them like trying to fucking get anybody else that's actually dangerous. But and they go into town, and then they eventually, of course, have to go. So there's water fucking everywhere in this goddamn place. So they go onto these boats. Van Damme's fucking just... I don't know how he's doing a ninja-like, of course. He's going all across these boats, and the cops just can't quite do it. They're trying to help keep their balance, and next thing you know, they just it concludes with the cops falling in the water straight out of the fucking boat. And this is a fun little thing, because on a few YouTube Mentos Bloodsport, you'll find a great advertisement for them to this little montage. It is amazing. That's all capped off of Van Damme leaving out of there. He gets out of there free, leaves from the cops. And then he's a, he goes to date night. He has his date night plan. He can't miss that, of course. You know, this lady, he, I think he maybe has a, a little a tip, if you will, he needs to give to her. And they end up having a nice little candlelit dinner, red wine. That all leads a little seduction. 
You don't see anything, of course, other than the next morning when Van Damme's pulling up his little red silk panties. You see his buttocks, and she's just grinning over there. Gives him a little nod, like, hey, you got a round two in you later this evening? And Van Damme's like, honey, I'm sorry. I just, I got to get to the Kumite. I'm a wanted man. I got to go ahead and kick some more ass. But you know what? We'll talk later this evening. You just never know what could happen. So Dukes arrives at the Kumite for day two, a little bit late. Lynn's like, where the hell you been, man? And they just kind of share a little head nod, and he's like, oh, okay, I already know. Fucking sexcapades, goddammit. Jackson's there, I don't know what the fuck he's thinking, but smashes his head, and I guess he decided a dim Mac was necessary, and they're like, the guys running the show are like, dude, what the fuck, it's round two, you, you've made it, no thanks, that's not necessary. And he just smashes another one, go ahead and give yourself another concussion, you dumbass. <laughs> he's like, here you go, fucking dim Mac times two, dudes. And then this guy comes on over to Dukes, I guess he's his biggest fan apparently, and... I f we find out that he's dating the fucking chick, the reporter lady that Van Damme just fucked the night before. She decides, hey, I'm going to go say hi, you know, pretend like I've never met this fucking dude, and she whispers in his ear, this isn't the first time I had to go undercover to get a story. And I'm thinking to myself, ew. And Van Damme's definitely thinking, I got to go see a doctor tomorrow. And uh, anyways, we finally get to some fights here, day two at the Kumite. And we get a character, Paco, on there. He's a fucking awesome actor. Uh, he's a real-life fighter, Muay Thai, and he's in a couple other movies that are really awesome. A couple to be continued. Uh, Van Damme flick, Death Warrant, which is amazing, and Stone Cold starring Brian Bosworth. And that flick, he's actually got a fucking ear tattoo of a spider web. And so, yeah, look forward to those ones. And then uh, he wins. A most realistic fighter, might I add. He's got some legit skills. Like I said, the Muay Thai, just the way he comes off the kicks just his stance, it's all there, and then right after his victory, we cut to some, uh, some, uh, a montage of us, uh, rapid tire KOs again, it's just fights maybe five, ten seconds, just a quick cut to the end, who's gonna fucking win, it's always a fucking amazing knockout, of course you get a lot of them, of kicks by Frank Dukes Van Damme, you know, some kicks to the gut, and then Bolo, he's out there fucking neck snapping dudes, and then one of the Van Damme victories out there is actually a classic GIF, GIF, whatever, guys. It's uh, the, the Van Damme somersault KO to Manu Bowl where he fucking knocks this asshole fucking clean off the goddamn thing. That's all he does. <laughs> and then we get uh, the sumo versus the monkey guy. You know, fucking monkey guy tries to use his coconut slapping skills. They fail. Fucking leaping all over the place. He ends up jumping into the arms of the fucking sumo dude and gets his bear hug. I don't know what the fuck happened. He looked like he pushed the dude down to his dick or something. I don't know what the fuck, but he's celebrating his victory. He ends up winning this fucking 500-pound fucking just bear out there. And then, of course, we get Chong Lin another victory just via broken bones. And at this point, I mean, we've got to be at the fucking Sweet 16, but through all these montages and everything else, I mean, I don't know how many fucking rounds there are, but my God, we've got to be coming close to the end, I'm thinking... But, I mean, it's all great stuff. No worries. But And then you get another Duke's victory. This he's time he's going up against the sumo guy. And this was definitely his toughest challenger so far. It's a back-and-forth fight. You know, he rips off Van Damme's shirt. Fucking, he's flexing. Still not enough. The, the muscles just aren't enough, you know. He's throwing the kicks, getting his shit tugged on. And then it eventually ends with, you know... The fucking big dude coming up, trying to fucking run up to him, and Van Damme does a splits and punches this dude in the groin. Probably one of the most popular scenes of the film. 
and this is a la Johnny Cage. That fucking scene in particular is what inspired that character for Mortal Kombat. And, you know, you see that move, and that's what he's known for in that game, and that's because of this movie, and I think that's pretty awesome. And after that, we get the big fight. We get Jackson versus Chong Lee. You know, everybody's a little bit nervous. You know, we're rooting for Jackson, but Chong Lee's the fucking defending champ, and we just don't know. He's a scary, badass dude, and Van Damme gives him some fucking advice. He says, you know, go for the get, and he's saying... Jackson's like, what the fuck, dude? You mean go for the gut of all places? You know what I mean? I might as well just try to fucking go for his neck and snap that like he's been doing. That's been going pretty fucking well. Anyways, the fight starts. You know, Jackson he just doesn't seem too nervous, anyways. But he comes out there, starts off fast, a little too fast. He blows his wad. He gets a fucking kick to the neck. Next thing you know, he gets a fucking curb stomp. Game over for this guy. He he should have gone for the gut. He never did. And Dukes runs up, can't quite save him. He's crying over his friend. Bolo steals the bandana. We're going to call it the because it is now its own character. <clears throat> and after that, you know, day two ends on a sad note. Sadly, the Kumite, we cut to the hospital scene where, you know, fucking Jackson survived. You know, he's got that. He just broke two fucking bricks over his head, so a curb stomp ain't shit, dudes. That is ain't. He's gonna take that. This is Ogre, my friends. This is Ogre. He can do anything. And, and anyways, we get, you know, Jean-Claude, he's there trying to, you know, be with his friend, take care of him, and we got the late reporter who fucking, third wheel, of course, of course, and then she's there. They get into a little argument, whatever, and she refuses to stand around and watch any more of this shit. You know, he's he's like, come on, it's fucking Final Four, the last day. You gotta be there. I need this. I need somebody. I need a support system, goddammit. And spoiler alert, she is there, so apparently they've made up. I don't know if they had their own personal little round two, if you will, that night. But anyways, I don't think they did because what we get next is Van Damme on the bus. And he has lost his BFF, his girl, and... I don't know where the fuck Lynn is, but... And he's just thinking to himself, where the fuck is Lynn when you need a good burger at this time? And just a fucking shoulder to cry on. <clears throat> on the bus ride, he's on it. He's just fucking just not getting off at any stops. He's like, I'm just going to have a little hallucinations on here. I'm going to fucking see Bolo, but I'm not. Am I freaking out or what? I'm fighting back the tears. Next thing you know, he's getting off his bus. He's just fucking bolting back to his room. And he fucking all night long, he's sitting on a ledge meditating into the while the fucking sun rises into the last day of the Kumite. And we get him going in all by himself. He's got no buddy there, but he's like, I'm here to fucking kick ass. I came here with a purpose and a reason, and I'm gonna do it. And he gets a couple of the cops, the two cops, Forrest Whitaker and his fucking co buddy, his fucking guy there to help him out that won't let him get a word in. They try to stop Dukes, but Dukes is like, are you fucking serious? You've done this before. Do you think you're going to do it again? It ain't going to happen. And they got a couple stun guns. They think, you know what? We can't get you with a pistol, but we're going to stun you, motherfucker. A couple thousand bolts will get you. And we see Van Damme grab a fucking nasty-ass trash can lid, fucking just fucking ricochets that shit into the couple. All these other fucking, fucking local security guards. <laughs> Freaks everybody the fuck out. He fucking jacks that shit from Force Whitaker says now what motherfucker make my day again bitch and <laughs> see what I did there you know what I mean he fucking blocks stun guns and bolts 
Fucking, he is just done. And anyways, we get Dukes goes back to the arena, finally sees Lynn. He's like, dude, it's been just one of them days already. And of course, he's late as usual, but he made it. They won't start without him. <clears throat> then we get into the fights. We've got fucking, now we've got some good shit going on because we've got Dukes versus Paco. And like I said, I think Paco is by far the best fighter in this film. He's a legit dude. Outside of fucking Hollywood, he is an actual fighter. He's a real good fucking guy. And in this fucking movie, you can tell that he's a badass. And Dukes has a fucking hard time. This guy's he, he's fucking kind of a dirty fighter, though. But overall, there's, it's an amazing fight. There's lots of good fucking kicks. We get that final scene that looks brutal. And a little fun fact, Van Damme scenes, he in real life likes what's to be called stiff during filming, and that is where he likes the, the punches, the kicks to be real, look real, because, like I said, they are real. There's not going to be contact where you're going to knock a motherfucker out, always. It does happen sometimes during the filming of his movies. He's admitted to that, and that's why most of his movies are filmed outside of the U.S. to avoid any kind of serious charges, and that's why, of course, we're in Hong Kong, and he's fucking doing some shit where it looks like they're almost breaking their fucking ribs. And he fucking does the fucking roundhouse kick to the goddamn neck and knocks this dude out cold. And he's off to the fucking championship. And then on the other end there, we got Bolo versus the guy that is the amazing secret keeper. The guy at the beginning of the film that just won't give any tidbit to the lady reporter. He is the secret keeper. But unfortunately... He just can't get in when he needs to. It's quick-paced. It was a fun fight. It was great. I mean, there was, like, some actual defense fight. There were just some legit blocks in there before you see any actual contact, and that's fucking a haymaker by Chong Lee. He gets one in, and this dude is stunned. He's on the ground trying to fucking skirt his ass out of there. He just can't. Next thing you know, Chong Lee's got him and, of course, snaps his neck. And we're off to the finals. But before that happens, we get Chong Lee's words to Van Damme, You are next. And that leads us into the finals. And we're on to the Kumite finals. It's the final match. They're going to prepare the platform, as they put it. I always wondered why they did this. Basically what they do is they fucking lower the middle of this fucking canvas that's been elevated essentially this whole time. And I think it's definitely because that they don't want anybody to fall off to end the fight that quick. But in my mind, I'm thinking this is a fucking sprained ankle waiting to happen, people. And that's how this is all going to conclude, is a fucking twisted ankle. <laughs> Anyways, before they go ahead and start the match, they have to get the guys ready. We got uh, Dukes and fucking Chong Lee, uh, Bolo and Van Dam, and that's fucking uh, Van Dam stripping down to his fucking skivvies practically. He's got his little bicycle shorts on fucking get ready to go flex up there and then we got bolo getting down to his fucking basketball shorts and he fucking pre all that has his fucking little trainer guy slipping it looks like a damn tums and his fucking waistband we find out it's a like, salt pill or some bullshit that he will eventually blind this dude with but uh he of course has the the bandana on his knee and they he goes into the ring trash talking like a motherfucker Sporting that bandana, fucking reminding Van Dam of what's going on, and tells him he's gonna do the same goddamn shit. I'm gonna fucking just whoop your ass. Van Dam gives him that little fucking pissed off look. I'm just telling him I'm not fucking gonna take that shit. And then next thing you know, start this fight, and then Van Dam just 
fucking kicks him in the face, jumps off the goddamn ref's back, and fucking kicks fucking Bolo. And we get more and more kicks, and just more and more kicks. It's just constant. I mean, I don't think this is how it would be, like I said, guys. In real life, it's ground and pound, but this is just beautifully choreographed. <laughs> and then, uh, anyways, we got no attempt at defense. We got Bolo fucking eventually throwing Dukes across the ring by one arm. He's doing somersaults. And then we got Dukes that fucking finally gets up, rises up, and does a skying kick to Bolo's face. Bolo slightly shook up a little bit. He charges Dukes, and he fucking just fucking leaps and somersaults straight up over him. And then Chong Lee eventually gets knocked down for the first time ever in his goddamn career. Everybody's just hooting and hollering. Anybody that bet on Van Damme's like ready to go cash in their ticket. Oh yeah, we're going on a vacation. And then, but hey, it's not going to end that quick, guys. Because fucking remember the Tums? Oh yeah, he throws that shit in Van Damme's eyes. Bolo is the dirtiest goddamn player in the game, you guys. If you didn't know, this is the truth. Van Damme supposedly is blind. This, to me, guys, I used to wear contacts before LASIK, and I remember, you know, falling asleep in those fucking things, waking up. I mean, it'd be real goddamn blurry at times, or, you know, it fucking gets lodged up at the goddamn top of your eye, and you can't quite see, but you can. That's what it reminded me of. I'm like, dude, you, you're fine in a sense. I understand you're distorted. But just the, the way he fucking makes it look like he can't see fucking worth a nothing. Like he is, he can't even fucking see the fucking outline of this guy. But it's just like, dude, come on. It looks like it's a little fuzzy. But anyways, he's getting his ass beat up. He's tossed around. And then, of course, we get another flashback. This one's not nearly as bad. I didn't quite clock it, but it was maybe a couple minutes. But once again, these flashbacks are important elements of the plot. And... He, it reminds him all the times, you know, the, 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 the fucking little shit that he did, the, the, the fishing that he did with grabbing the goldfish out of the pond. It, but I think, you know, this flashback is still long enough to where, like, Bolo, I'm wondering, what the hell is this guy doing where he's letting Van Damme just have this nice long thought? You know, is he going on a fucking coffee break, smoke break? What's the deal here, guys? Next thing you know, you see fucking Bolo's fist come in screen slow-mo and uh, fucking Van Damme... Just can't quite take it, but oh, pre that anyway, sorry guys, I skipped something here. We see Duke screaming and hollering just because he can't quite take this shit anymore. He's croaking and moaning. And we get, of course, another gif gif online that's amazing where you see Van Damme doing the yelling and then you get a scene of fucking Bolo doing, you know, when he's moving his arms, looks like he's playing the drums. It's it's awesome. Anyways, like I said, Bolo comes in screaming like he's throwing that fucking hard right. Van Dam snags him by the wrist, catches him, fucking throws down goddamn uh, fucking Bolo, just using his sixth sense, I guess, you know, spidey senses or whatever it is, can't see, so, but he can definitely hear him pretty goddamn well or smell, I don't know what it is, but anyways, it's time for a comeback on Dukes' part. And he ends up fucking jumping up, doing splits. Of course, I can't. I lost track by that point of how many times he's done in this film. But, you know, back in 1988, people were probably just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. They're just fucking, our jaws are to the fucking floor. And the fight does end with four amazing, beautiful spinning roundhouse kicks to Bolo's chin. He fucking is dropped. And for the first time in the Kumite, we see somebody tap out. It's amazing. I love this. This is that's actually the coolest thing. You know, you're seeing constant knockouts, which that's great. Everybody wants that. But finally, you know, 
a big fucking kick to the face that leads to a tap out. That's the way this was supposed to go. And of course Van Dam gets the bandana back. He's holding on to it tight. I think he wanted that at this point more than that fucking sword. I think he lost track of fucking his fucking sensei, Shidoshi at that point. Senso Tanaka, whatever it is, but everyone at the po on this point is on the Duke's bandwagon and he does actually dedicate the win to his sensei so he is all ready to go we do see him you know he's all cleaned up gets his sword presented to him he's looking fucking good and everybody's on his side after that you know what else would you do after the kumite you know if some guys might go to Disneyland no thank you this guy Van Damme he's going to the after party at the fucking local hospital he's got to go see his buddy at Jackson, who might I add is celebrating by drinking some beers in the bed while his blood is literally leaking out of his fucking head wound still. <laughs> but he's coherent at least and he is ready to celebrate like a motherfucker. They do eventually end up saying, hey, we gotta part ways. Van Damme gives him his bandana back. They share a nice long uncomfortable hug. Tell each other that they love each other. It's they've kn these fuckers have known each other four days. I get it. You can become pals pretty damn easily with some dudes you share some interests with, and but I don't even know if I've ever fucking thought I've ever been in love with my my wife. I knew, I mean I love her, but it took at least a fucking couple weeks. Four days. That's a little you're fucking a little clingy, Van Dam. I'm sorry, but damn. And anyways, it all ends, you know, the last scene is a cut to the airport. Van Damme is a man of his word, just as he told these fucking cops earlier, Forrest Whitaker. Hey, I'd be here, guys, at a such and such date, such and such time. As we find out, the fucking cops are hanging out waiting. They're the ones that are late. Van Damme's been fucking sipping on some fucking, fucking champagne in the goddamn in first class, eating some fucking peanuts. He comes outside, hey, what the fuck, dudes? I've been waiting. And they're like, ah, oh, you're a fucking pain in the ass anyways. But, you know, of course, like myself, they tell him, we're thankful that you're on our side, Van Damme. And, you know, he Van Damme, before he hops in, fucking right off into the sunset, he sees the, first, the fucking reporter lady, and they share a nice little fucking bow, and they respect to each other. And that all is the cue, the fight to the... Uh, Fight to Survive song, guys. One of our favorites. Fight to Survive! And during, before we actually see, you know, the actors and all that bullshit on the credits, you know, you get some fucking cool little trivia there of some of the supposed fucking accomplishments of Frank Dukes. Like I said, I don't want to fucking say too much because I really don't know. The guy seems to fucking really believe his own shit, but some people will, you know, oh yeah, it's true, it's true, but I mean... He hangs his hat on what he says, and it is what it is at this point. Whatever, but the fucking Tibbet, I think, he is so great that he thinks is an amazing accomplishment that he so credits himself for is that he had 56 knockouts in a single tournament. Like I said, there was some tap-outs in there at some point, too, but 56 knockouts. Like I said, I at one point, I was like, when the, are we at least at the Sweet 16? This is a lot of goddamn fights. There was only so many dudes at the fucking at this kumite. I can't imagine how many were at that fucking kumite. I know some dude on a forum at one point did the math, and it was in the thousands. I don't think it was quite in the millions, but it was fucking insane. And to fight that many fights, fifty six. How how long was this tournament? Goddamn, the NBA finals last like a month, but I can't imagine how long this shit could have potentially gone. And anyways, guys, that's Bloodsport. Like I said, it's my favorite movie. Uh, once again, uh, just an overview, overview for you guys all. For all of you guys, sorry it's late. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. 
just as always, it was my 501st time, and at least, and I, I still enjoyed it. I found a lot to you know, really keep me entertained by it. And, you know, I had a purpose watching this film, and of course, for this show, and but I caught something new, which I thought was great. You know, the whole sponsorship thing kind of made me chuckle, literally. And it's for me personally, for you guys, it's a five star recommend. You know, for this show, I'm going to have you know. Don't know if there'll be a lot of one stars, one being shit, five being fucking amazing, you know, everything in between. But, you know, this totally is on that, that higher specs than the five star. Total recommend. It's a quick watch, you know, just over 90 minutes long. As I was watching, I said I was kind of taking notes here and there, and it went real fucking quick. I paused it a couple times. I was like, damn, we're already this far in, you know? And But it's just so fast-paced. There's this constant fight scenes, you know, and the training sequences, and it's... You get some really good people that, you know, you'll eventually over the years have been in other Van Damme flicks, so it's kind of cool to see how it all started. Like I said, this launched Van Damme's career to who he really became. Just a martial arts fucking amazing badass in the films. And this film specifically did end up having some sequels. Uh, the first one, Bloodsport 2, direct to fucking video. It was 1996. So Daniel Bernhardt, he ended up starring in 2, 3, and 4, all direct to video. Two is maybe want to watch. The rest are fucking just total shit. There, I don't even think I've seen the fourth. I try to watch it. It stars him, but he ends up being somebody else. He's a totally different character as from what he played in two and three. So it doesn't make any goddamn sense. From what I just read, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to fucking waste my time. Uh, it's kind of a, maybe an unofficial sequel is the Quest. Another Van Damme flick that he did in the mid '90s, kind of you know before you know he was all coked out at that point. But still a cool film, you know, it's kind of a, takes place, you know, back, I want to say, in the 20s, um, you know, kind of goes off to this, you know, hidden fucking tournament, and, you know, I don't want to spoil this fucking ending, but, you know, it's a good film, and, uh, but it's not an official sequel, but just kind of, he, he did it, it was Van Damme, he actually directed it, he wrote it, Frank Dukes was a part of it, god damn it, and, but it was not based on a true story, so this, that one was actually pretty cool, they didn't have to fucking, you know, fucking two throne horn too goddamn much but anyways um the film itself was a breakthrough hit for the time i mean you hear about films now that make fucking billions of dollars and it's stupid but back then you know it was you know you get into the movies five fucking bucks could get you into the movie and get you fucking a drink at least but this movie made 65 million worldwide in the u.s i don't can't remember exact but a pretty good chunk of that the budget was all like Barely over $2 million, so, I mean, you do the ratio there, do the math, it's fucking, that's awesome. Made a lot of fucking movie, or a lot of money for this movie, specifically. Um, if you ever, if you guys want to catch it, if you don't already have it in your collection, as, uh, such as myself, um, definitely check it out on, you know, a lot of streaming services. I particularly prefer Vudu. Um, you can get it for, like, maybe three bucks to rent for a few nights, which is awesome. And I like that because, you know, it doesn't actually kick in. You're, you get it a couple days, but it doesn't kick in until you hit play. So if you want to be a fucking lazy bum for a couple days, you got some shit going on, but want to rent it while you got a few bucks in the bank and want to watch it that weekend, go ahead and do it. Um, but, you know, I think you can buy it for maybe five bucks a DVD, maybe for ten on Blu-ray. But like I said, it's a double feature of Time Cop, so you're fucking getting your money's worth there. Anyways, guys, that's Bloodsport. This is my first episode. I want to thank you guys again. I know the audio could be kind of piss poor at times. Like I said, I'm doing this in segments just so I can get used to things, kind of be able to figure out a way to edit it all into one big old deal. But I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my goddamn heart once again. Um, this has been amazing. This is a fucking ongoing journey. 
And this is the beginning of Van Damme Entertaining Month to kick off my fucking show, Guilty Pleasure Movies. And we'll have a show next week. Of course, it'll be another Van Damme flick. I don't want to give away exactly what title is, but I'll give you a hint. And you guys, you guys can probably figure it out. Go on Facebook, you know, kind of keep going, follow up with what's going on. But the hint for next week is two Van Dams are better than one. And I also want to announce some exciting news for July. We've got our theme officially up and ready to go. That is, you know, of course, it's America's birthday, good old America. And with uh, America's birthday, you've got to celebrate, you know, the theme of America with America's sweetheart. I had a person in mind. I asked my wife, you know, just, you know, a second opinion, what she thought. And the first person that came to mind who, who America's sweetheart is, is Matthew McConaughey. And I said, ah, good choice. I said, I was kind of thinking Polly Shore. But, you know, we'll let some of the people kind of decide who they think is the best. And you guys can help us decide. Go to our Facebook page. Just simply search Guilty Pleasure Movies It'll, or at GPM Podcast if you want to message me. Which you can certainly request titles and why you th- they're your Guilty Pleasure Movies and admit your guiltiness. And I'll read it on air. At some point, I p- promise to go back and watch it and review it. And But, yeah, thank you guys again. Uh, the vote itself is available right now, and it's actually going through June 17th, so go ahead and get it while you can, and that's going to be for the July theme, but stay tuned all month long for more Van Dam Entertaining Month, and to be continued, guys. Hey gang, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can download and listen to plenty more on iTunes. Search Guilty Pleasure Movies, rate and review, please and thank you. Or you can follow me on my host app where I make all my shows, which is Anchor. You can definitely follow me at Twitter, YouTube, search GPM Podcast. And the most interactive way to engage with the show is through our Facebook page. Just search Guilty Pleasure Movies. I'll have voter polls, videos, all kinds of good announcements on there. Like, share, and follow, please and thank you. And when you do message, make sure you go ahead and leave your favorite Guilty Pleasure movie title. And you'll have a chance to have your guiltiness of why you love that movie on the show. And once again, guys, let's jam. Thank you.